Yeah, it is great to be back. We loved being afforded the opportunity to take some long rest and uh, looking forward to this next season of ministry here because God is definitely doing so much here at Riverside and what a joy to be a part of it all. So it was uh, the day of my 21st birthday and it was a wonderful day celebrating, uh, surrounded by family and that night uh, we had a bra at my house and my friends were all around and just towards the end, my parents handed me an envelope and I opened up the envelope and inside that envelope uh, was a car key and I was blessed beyond imagine by receiving a car on, on my birthday, my 21st birthday. It was this wonderful, incredible white Corsa utility bucky. And as a young 21-year-old male, having this Corsa bucky with the canopy, to say that I felt like a million bucks is an understatement. Holding these car keys, having a vehicle, just this incredible freedom to be able to get out and to drive and to have my own wheels. It's not everyone's uh, story, but for me, it was just incredible. And then a couple months later, in the parking lot, I saw that there was this dent in the passenger door. Now, we know that experience as well, right? We've owned cars and the joy of having that new car or the car for the first time. And then that, when you see a scratch that wasn't done by you or done by you, or when you dinged it there and you dented it there, and the longer we own a car, right, the more kind of scratches and marks and bumps and rattles it has. Now, sometimes the damage is so bad that it has to go to a panel beater. And then that's great, because what does the panel beater say to you afterwards? It's about as good as new. And then we're happy because you look it over and you can see all those marks are, are gone and it's kind of back to how we like it until the kids in the car next to us open it, the door too hard in the, the parking lot and all those dents and scratches kind of start again. And you know what I'm talking about, because if you have a vehicle, it is this constant maintenance issue of, you know, you hit a pothole, so now your wheel alignment's out, and, you know, somebody doesn't watch their trolley, and your wife drives your car for the afternoon, no, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's watching online, sorry, love, um, this is what happens with our vehicles, sometimes we can't control what happens to it. But you know, our lives are a lot like our cars. Because we can't get through the complexity of life today without a whole string of dents and bruises and scratches and knocks along the way. Sometimes it's so significant that we need to go for some real soul panel beating, and I'm so glad that we have therapy and, and people to help us navigate some of the complexities of life. And so we're starting this new series called Identity. And there's a real play on those words because to be human is to take dents. 
We've experienced loss. We've experienced trauma. We've experienced grief. We've experienced failure. We've sinned. We've been sinned against. And with all of this thing called life, it affects who we are. When we have been sinned against or we've been betrayed, it affects how we love people. Depending on what's happened to us, we go through life having significant trust issues. All of these dents and dings and bashes dictate how we engage with other people. And we have these identities. Think about all the fear that comes with this life. But many of us in this room, we love Jesus. And so we live in this flux and tension of what a biblical worldview says we are and how the Bible dictates and tells us who we are in God through the work of Jesus Christ. And the tension is, well, I'm a male, a husband, I'm an employee, I live in Johannesburg in 2022, and all that goes with those fears and pressures and all that I've kind of gone through in this life, and I I stand in these two tensions. This is what the Bible says I am and who I am, and this is kind of how I think about life and experiences and what I do with everything that has happened to me and shaped who I am. And this is one of those Sundays where I can maybe seem like a big hypocrite, but I live in this tension every single day. I live in the tension where I know And we're going to look at the truth of what God's Word says I am and shapes and talks about my identity. And then the battles I live with every single day in who I am and what I've been through and how that impacts on everybody in my life. And I think many of us will find that that's the same for us. That we live with the tension. How do I live with what God says I am in Christ? But with all my very real lived experiences and all the dents and crashes I've been through that have really damaged and dented my soul. And so we're going to kind of set that up this morning. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to kind of narrow that down into some nice specifics that hopefully will equip us. Because I really think that as we are on this discipleship journey as a church, this is one area that will really springboard you into maturity. That if you're wanting to really grab hold of your faith and make some significant gains, living more in the reality and the truth of who God says I am versus going to the way the world deals with all their insecurities and fears and doubts and failures and loss and grief and trauma and, and moving more into staying here with how God encourages us around that. Is going to be very helpful for your walk uh, and, and growing in the Lord. So to start that off, we're going to be in Romans 8 this morning. So why don't you find that in maybe your paperback or on your phone. But we're going to be Romans 8 verse 14 this morning. Now, I know it's hard to jump into the middle of a book and kind of pick that up. But just some very brief context as you're finding that. Romans was a letter written to church members in the city of Rome, hence the book Romans. It was written by someone called Paul, or you know him as the Apostle Paul, wrote most of our New Testament letters. 
And uh, this is one where he's writing to encourage the church. Paul was a church leader, a missionary. He went through most of Asia, Asia Minor, taking the gospel to those who had never heard it before. He started churches. He raised up leaders and elders and then moved on to the next place and often writing back to them some wonderful encouragement to those churches, which gives us so much of our New Testament. Romans, a little bit different. Paul had never been to this church before, but because of the work he was doing towards the East and Asia, Asia Minor, he was finished with that, and he was wanting to kind of go west and looking for a new base of operations. And so he's writing to this church, kind of explaining who he is and, and writing a wonderful unpacking of the truth of the gospel for them. And so when we're jumping into Romans 8, he's busy giving this wonderful unpacking of all the truths of the gospel. There's an American pastor by the name of Mark Driscoll, and I love his description of the gospel, and I often use it, where he calls the gospel a multifaceted diamond, where it is this one thing, but if you, if you look at it like this, and you go, oh, wow, look how beautiful that is, and then you turn it a little bit more, and you, you see another facet of it that's maybe a slightly different unpacking of it, and you go, wow, that's so beautiful and so beautiful, and you, know, you can just keep looking at it from all these different angles and just be blown away by it. And this is what Romans 8 is. This is going to be our truth, our identity established for us uh, by the work of Jesus. And it's this incredible facet of the diamond called the gospel. So let's actually just dive in and read. We're going to read from verse 14 uh, to 17. And I love this. This is such an incredible declaration of truth for us as followers of Jesus. So for those who are led by the spirits of God are children, are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So again, there's a whole bunch of stuff in this passage, and I, I like to think of this passage like a set of dominoes. You know, when you line up all the dominoes, and then you tap the one, and then they kind of all fall down, and it sets this chain event and I love this. So here, there's about eight things that we observe in this passage. Let's just run through them because they, these incredible knock-on effects for us. So if we're led by the Spirit, Paul's language for those who've come to faith in Jesus, trusted his work on the cross, if you are led by the Spirit, you are children of God, not slaves so that you live in fear, but the Spirit that brought about your adoption to sonship, the result of that is we get to cry, Abba, Father, I'll get to that in a minute. We get the Spirit testifying to our spirit that we are God's children. Therefore, if we're children, we're heirs. If we're heirs, we're also then co-heirs with Christ. We get to share in his suffering and therefore also share in his glory. Just incredible truths, declarations of what it means to be followers of Jesus. To be Christians, this is a facet of the gospel, a truth about what was achieved for us in the finished, completed work of Christ. Now, Paul is writing to the Greco-Roman 
world here. Now, he's using this language because for them, adoption was very significant. In a Greco-Roman world, adoption was a big deal. Uh, For example, Julius Caesar adopted a young boy called Octavia, who, because of the whole process and what happened with adoption, is if you adopted someone, they became your legal heir over your biological children. So significant was the role of adoption. So Julius Caesar adopts Octavia. He becomes heir to the Roman Empire and becomes uh, the ruler, Julius Augustus. He changes his, his name from Octavia to Augustus. From adoption, he becomes heir to the entire Roman Empire. And so this was a big deal. So they understand the importance and the impact of being legally adopted. You did become the heir of that person's estate over even the biological children. So when they understand this language, the Spirit brings about our adoption For them, they're understanding this legal process. Now, we don't have papers to show that, you know, I'm adopted by the creator of the universe. We have something a little bit more significant than that, the Spirit of God that brings about our adoption, that even testifies to our spirits that we are God's children. And this is a big deal. Because one of the impacts of this, and this is why we're speaking to identity, is that... I'm not a slave, and again, Roman culture, slavery, big deal, very clear understanding of what a slave is. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm not living in that anymore. I've trusted Jesus, so the result is the Spirit has brought about my adoption. I'm not a slave. I am a child of God. I get to cry, Abba, Father. Now, that word Abba is the word dad, Right? It's got this understanding of intimacy. You don't get to just call anybody dad. In fact, there are only two children who get to call me dad. That's a very personal, intimate uh, relationship that I have with my two children. And what this is establishing for us in this construct that is showing us in the truth about my identity is that I now, because of my adoption by the spirits, or brought about my adoption as a physical child of God, I now get to cry out, Abba, I get to go, Dad. So this image is just so amazing for me. Uh, My daughter's six, her name's Edith, and um, she sometimes uh, gets scared with loud noises. And uh, she was out in the garden, and a car drove past, and its trailer unhooked and hit the road. And it made this massive, massive noise, and she got an incredible fright. And I I was trying to get to her. I heard the noise, so I I knew she was going to be scared. And she didn't know what to do, so she wrapped herself. uh, She was right by the washing line, and and, uh, a bed sheet was out there. So she just grabbed the sheet and tried to hide from the noise until I was able to run out there and call her, and she ran out, and she just ran to me, and I was able to pick her up and hold her. And I love this image, and, and it was such a powerful one for me as her dad because this is what, what is hopefully being unpacked for you. She was scared. There was a moment she didn't know what to do. 
so she went to hide until I got there. And then she came to me. And this is what I mean by our biblical identity that is established for us is that in this crazy thing called life where I'm getting dented all over the place with just the pressure and the fear and the life of, of, of what it means to get through a day and a week in, in our country at the moment, is my identity, the truth is, I do life as a child of God. The Spirit has brought about my adoption. Who I am is a child of God. His Spirit testifies with my Spirit that I am His child. And I get to cry out, and I get to call out to my dad. Now, it's talking about slavery and fear, and it's talking about Abba, Father, and adoption. Those two things are actually, I think, opposites. The opposite to my fear is my sonship. The opposite of dealing with hiding, and, and, and I'll go to that now, is, is not to hide, but to cry out to my Father. Because when we are honest with ourselves, when I'm under pressure, when things are going really badly, when I'm in a crisis, when I'm taking those dents, my default isn't always to cry, Abba, Father. My default is actually to wrap myself in that sheet. And for some of us, that's shopping, that's escapism, that's food, it's, it's retreating to sleeping, it's maybe binge-watching TV, it's going to the vices of the internet, uh, it's, it's numbing with different substances, and, and we all try to deal with it in some way. And this is the tension with identity, is this is the truth here. I love God. I trust Jesus. That's my biblical worldview. And so because of that, the absolute truth is that the Spirit has brought about my adoption. I am a child of God. I get to cry out intimately. I've got this relationship. He is my heavenly Father. I get to cry out, Abba, Father. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not a slave again to fear. But when work is tough and I see how much money is in my bank accounts and I know how much month is left and the petrol price is going up again and I see what oil costs in the shops and I see the price of vegetables and I'm going, how am I going to make it? And then you've got family and your wife and your kids and you're just being assaulted by all of these fears and these pressures we're always going to be wanting to go and hide and, and deal with things in, in maybe unhelpful ways because they almost feel immediate that we get some kind of emotional high from maybe eating something that brings us comfort or, or numbing with all that TV. But it doesn't satisfy and it doesn't deal with all of that. Now, I love what this says in Jeremiah 2 verse 13. And this is a constant struggle for God's people. This is what Jeremiah writes to the Israelites. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that don't hold water. And this is the tension that I find myself in, and I'm sure you find yourself in. Here's my identity established for me in Jesus I get to cry out, Abba, Father, whenever anything is going wrong. 
Like how my daughter runs into my arms for safety, and this is a safe place for her. I have that same with my heavenly father. The one who spoke creation into being. The one who knows all things. The one who has established my eternity. That identity I get to live every single day. But as God's people, we're always doing this. Where we have him, our Abba Father, this living water that we get to drink from daily. We go to our broken cisterns that don't hold water. That leave us still needing. And I pray for this series is that you're going to start to realize in yourself where you've got those dents and where you run to broken systems, where you go to other things for comfort, to deal with your fear, instead of going to your heavenly Father who says, call me Dad. The word there is cry. Cry, Abba, Father. When, when I laugh and we're feeling that pressure just like weighing down on our souls and fear starts to rise in me the solution to that is my identity which is God I need you spirit testify to my spirit today I'm not feeling like your child right now I'm feeling quite alone I'm feeling quite quite afraid at what is going on in my life. Reassure me, please, Holy Spirit. Remind me of who I am in you. This is what we have available to us every second of every day for those of us who follow Jesus. The Spirit brought about our adoption. We are His children and He invites us into that intimate relationship of Father. And I get to cry out to Him, there's no limits. Every second of every day, I have that Father who loves me, who went to the cross while I was still his enemy. He died on the cross in my place for my sin, rose again victorious, and has established that relationship for me. And so I don't have to live in fear, right? I know that I do. And I have to remind myself, I'm, this is the tension, this is the flux. And this is our discipleship growth, is learning to stop going to all of these things that are broken systems that maybe help us in the moment, but don't deal with the problem. And instead, maybe the, your growth point this week is when you're afraid to not hide, to not numb, to not binge, but to cry out, Abba Father. Instead of going to Netflix to numb your fear and to numb your pain and escape, is to actually take some time out and actually voice that to your Father who loves you and wants to bring peace into that situation, who wants to help remind you exactly who you are in Christ. The band's gonna come up and they're gonna minister to us in a song. And if you know the song, then, then sing along. But the words of the song go, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. It's an incredible declaration. And church, as we are starting this series on identity, I want to challenge you to this. 
I don't know what the dents are on your soul. And I don't know how you deal with some of the pains and the pressures that you're going through. But what I want to encourage you is to reframe your thinking and to go, actually, I can cry out, Abba, Father. And I can take my pain to him. I can say to him, God, I'm scared for my finances. I don't know what's going to happen. We can talk to him about that. We can say, God, I'm scared for my marriage. I'm scared for my job. I'm afraid for my children. I'm afraid for my country. God, I am struggling with unforgiveness. God, I'm battling with the hurt that this person did to me. We can go to him to find peace and love and forgiveness. We can go to him and we don't need to be living in the pressure and the fear that life brings us. So I'm gonna pray And then the band's going to minister to us. And then use this as a declaration for yourself to say this week, maybe for the first time ever, I'm going to move towards actually going there for my identity, to my Father, to live in the space that I'm a child of God and not using all these other things to try and meet some of those needs in my life. Jesus, what a joy for us Because of what you did on the cross in our place for us, and it means that I am a child of God. It is my identity. Spirit, you brought about my adoption. I get to call the creator of the universe my father. That's intimate. It is a real personal relationship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you testify to our spirits that we're children of God. And so, Holy Spirit, My prayer for every single one here and online. Holy Spirit, testify to their spirits. Help people feel your love and feel that adoption as children of God, knowing that personal relationship with you. And as we sing this declaration, God, I pray that you would help us to start laying our fears and our concerns and all our dents and worries at your feet because we're not slaves to fear. We're children of God. We're your children. And so we're going to declare that to you. Amen.